0: Flip over to Romans 1. We're going to, I've been wanting to do this for some time. I know we just finished up preaching through Acts. As a matter of fact, we're going to wind up Acts tonight at 5 o'clock, if you'd like to come and look in on that. We, we kind of got so far on Sunday morning, then it was more about just his journeys and things, and we kind of moved that to Sunday night. But uh, it's been a great study. I've enjoyed it very much. And kind of the natural progression now is to just roam right on over into Romans. And this is probably the greatest theological book in the Bible Uh, besides the gospels and knowing that jesus came and died and and rose again and all those things that that brought us salvation you look at romans and romans tells you how to live as a christian and boy if ever anybody we if we need to know we need to know this book because we've all got these different ideas of how a christian should act and how a christian should be and what a christian should look like and man paul just kind of lays it out right here really plain and simple and uh, me and Danny kind of talk all the time that this book is like T-bone steak. I mean, it's it's thick, and it's you can only take a few verses at a time because you have to just sit there and let that soak in a minute because it is so good and so full of God and his love for us. And I don't know, Gary, I think if I had to just title Romans, I would probably say God cares for you. I, I think that's what I would say because it's about his His grace. And, and, it, and it'll start off, we probably won't get there today, but here in the latter part of 1 and into 2, it just really paints us as ugly people and sinful people and, and and man We're just decrepit and deprived and all those things but guys what what is tr- What Paul's trying to tell us is unless you realize how lost you were You forget about how good God's grace is And i'm not sure we really think about that a lot We kind of like to think we're good people and and we kind of like to think we got it figured out and we know God And we come to church and everything's all right and, and listen through God everything is all right. Don't get me wrong but we need to realize where we were and what our future was like before Jesus and then before grace come along and the power of God and what it looks like now. And, guys, it's as different as day and night. And we need to praise the Lord that he would care enough for us to send his only begotten son so that we could have everlasting life. And he cares for us. Romans is kind of like stepping into the courtroom and at the very beginning as we get we'll work through our way here in the introduction but as we get to next week next week the verdict is going to come down from the courtroom and from God and from from our our separation that happened way back in the garden with Adam and Eve there was a separation there and and guys we sinned. we we decided that we wanted to be greater than God the devil sold us a bag of lies and he said what you know God doesn't care you know he he's just afraid you might know more than him and and why don't you just eat of this fruit you're going to be more knowledgeable you're going to be smarter you're going to be able to handle things on your own you won't need a god Hmm. 2015 i think i would title it that there's a whole lot of people that think they don't need god and it breaks our heart sometimes let's be honest we get that way sometimes we feel like we don't need god i got this handled sometimes we don't even take him the little things well this is something little You know, God's got so much to worry about. And then we go putting him in a box. We kind of jam him in there and, oh, he's too busy. He's he's got too much on his plate. Do you realize he's God? you realize he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present? Guys, God can handle everything. And sometimes we forget about that. But as you look at the book of Romans and the courtroom opens up and there's only one verdict to hand down, guilty. To the Jew and to the Gentile. And as I've said many times, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's us, and we're all guilty. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might remember the Roman road. We used that back in the day to lead people to Christ, and they're still using it today. And it's going to be throughout our our messages as we walk through the book of Romans. This happened in about 56 A.D. About 56 A.D. is when Paul wrote this book there's it's kind of unanimous to believe that paul wrote this he was probably in corinth this is not after he left acts just because remember now the bible is not necessarily from one book to the other it's a it's a bunch of books it's in the library but they all talk about one person that's god but this was actually written in corinth about all 10 11 years before he got to rome tonight we're going to talk about him finally getting there we talked about his shipwreck last week we talked about him Put his hand down there with some firewood and pulled out a snake attached to his hand and uh, and the people standing around waiting for him to die and he didn't and god just healed him on the spot and then god began to just just have a revival broke out on a shipwrecked island just because god was there it, it imagine god cares he knows where we're at he knows where we're struggling and the story of paul has been remarkable to me but about 10 years before all that happened and he actually got to rome he sat down and penned the book of romans first and second corinthians would probably have been written first and then Romans was written after that. And so it kind of brings us to this point, and he's writing this letter to them, and uh, he just goes ahead and starts introducing himself. Paul, and of course there could have been a lot of Pauls, he couldn't just say, hey, this is Paul, but he's writing to those believers in Rome, they really don't know how those believers started. How did that, Paul hadn't been there yet, remember this. It was so wonderful about Paul he he cared for people he wanted them to know that God loved them and these were people he'd never met before you know it's one thing to care for somebody you know really good it's it's one thing to care for your family it's one thing to care for somebody in your church but to care for somebody you've never met before only God could bring a person's heart to that position and so he's never met them so he can't really say hey this is Paul but Many people, they don't really know how the believers start. Some people believe that on the day of Pentecost, there were people there from Rome and and the Spirit fell and and they were able to speak in a language that everyone understood. Some of them believe that they were were convicted and and brought to salvation that day and they carried the great news and the, the great moment that they seen there at the day of Pentecost and carried that back to Rome and began churches just from that experience. In the power of God amazing how it can work? Through him we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from, the faith, from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. If Paul ever had a message, I think it was this. Salvation is available to everyone. He said there's no holding it back. He said, yep, I'm a Jew. I was raised a Jew I was the Jew of the Jews he said I knew everything about the things we were supposed to know about but when Jesus met me on the road to Damascus he changed my life and he convinced me and he let me know that this wasn't just for the Jewish people even though they were God's chosen people even though he came to them as a Jew Jesus Christ was that's why it says he came first to the Jew and then to the Gentile he brought that right to the Jewish people he was a Jew himself but he said, now it's available to everyone. And Paul lets these Romans know, and they're way over there, away from Jerusalem. In that time, that was, that was a forever journey to get that far, go across the Mediterranean Sea and all, that, all kind of trouble they tried to get there and storms and all that stuff we studied about in Acts. It was just a journey just to get to Rome. But he said, I know you're way over there, but you know what? He's come to save you just like he's saving people right here. And he's coming. He's coming for you, and he loves you he cares for you paul said i'm a servant now they would have understand that word as a slave y'all kind of get the connotation of slave in your in your mind don't you when you think about slave you think about the heritage of southern slavery you think about the black person that was in slavery we think about they were there against their will they were there because they were sold into slavery they were bought they were they were materials they were pieces of equipment rather than people And Paul says he uses that word servant and it's if you look it up and do the word study, it's a it's a slave But what was the difference between Paul saying? I'm a slave and the slaves that we know of Paul chose that And guys listen to me when we decide to give our heart to Jesus Christ We become a servant of God We sell ourselves off We lay ourselves aside We surrender my will and we give our will to God and we say we want you to direct us You go well, I don't know if I want anybody telling me what to do You know who I want telling me what to do The person that knows tomorrow the person that died for my sins The person that's preparing a place for me the person that knows everything about me the one that cares for me That's who I want to give my life to that's the one I want to serve and that's god And paul knew that and he said, look, and, and listen, we try to, to kind of put ourselves out there for God and take an arm back and, okay, God, you got this arm this time. And what, what God said is, I want you to surrender to self, and I want you to just give me all of you. I want all of you. I want you to put yourself up on the altar and be a living sacrifice that every day you get up, say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. Lord, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. Lord, it's not about how much I need. It's about the lostness of this world. It's about what you've asked me to do. It's to be light and salt to a world that so desperately needs it. And he asks us to do that every day that we live. But so many times, as Gary said earlier, we get thinking about us. I get thinking about Todd. I get thinking about what I want. I get uncontent. I don't think God can handle it all. You really believe that as a preacher? That's what I'm saying is when I don't give God all of me. What, what are you saying when you don't give God all of you? I don't think he can handle it. Can God handle it? You better believe it. Is he the one that needs us? Do we need him? We need him. But he's asked us to be part of him so that we can be his mouth, his eyes, his hands, and help a world that is lost and to bring them to salvation through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm a servant. I've called to be an apostle. Apostle was uh, sent by authority with a commission to do a job. One, one distinguishing part of an apostle was that you had to see the living Jesus alive. You go, wait a minute now, Paul was on down the road here. He, he wasn't one that walked with Jesus daily. When did he see Jesus? Y'all know what it is. We talked about in Acts on the road to Damascus. He seen Jesus. His Jesus thought so much of Paul, he came to him after his ascension. After he'd already went back, he came to him. That's the power of God. It's the power of Jesus to be everywhere, to be all-powerful, to be all-knowing, to be anywhere he wants to be to help his people and his children know about him. And he came and appeared to Paul, and Paul seen him. And Paul was an apostle of Christ. I have a commission. I have been sent by authority. We've talked about that before, to have authority. I was reading about a guy that said he used to be a, a hall monitor when he was in school. And he said, man, my job was right there by the main office. I sat there on a bench, and when they had a message to get to one of the teachers, this was before the days of, you know, come to the office on the, the intercom, he said, I would take that note in there. And he said, I loved going in there and disrupting class because he knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to get in trouble because I was sent by the main man, he said, and I would give him that note. And I could interrupt the teacher. I could keep him from teaching because I, I, I had a message from the main man. Paul said, I've come, and I have a message. I have a message from the main one. I have a message from God. And he said, I have all authority to bring it to you. I can bring it to you because of who the message is about, who the messenger is that sent me. He's given me the authority. And guys, everyone sitting in this room this morning has all the authority in God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We have that authority. Think about that. We have the right to stand up and say, there's no other way but Jesus That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. That there's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. We have all the authority to say that because we've been given that. Through the salvation, through the Holy Spirit coming to live and dwell in us and through God's word. And Paul said, I've got that. I've been set apart to do a job. We call it a big church word. You ready? Sanctification. Man. We like to throw around church words, man. I like that. Glorification, redemption, righteousness, sanctification. What does all those words mean? I want to tell you this they're all good, all right? They're all good. They're all good. Sanctification, we've been set apart. We go, man, Paul was a great man. Man, I love Paul. He was incredible. But you know what? We've been set apart for the same purpose. We have been sanctified for the same purpose. When we give our heart to Jesus, he set us apart. He said, now you're not of this world anymore. You're mine. You have a different way of talking, a different way of acting, a different way of doing things, a different way of thinking, a different way of doing things altogether. You're not part of this world anymore. You're part of my family. And he said, I'm setting you apart so that you can be salt and light and tell the world that I love them, tell the world that I died for them, Tell the world that you can go to heaven just like I'm going, not because I'm a great person, but because of the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. And you can be all that God wants you to be through him. Paul just laying it out there, wasn't it? He was telling them, Look, I'm writing you a letter, and I have authority to write this letter, and you need to listen to what I got to say because it comes straight from God. It comes straight from God. The gospel he promised beforehand. A lot of people think, man, this, this God stuff's kind of, where did it come from? It's kind of kind of new or something. And why, why why do y'all just get so wrapped up in church and God and the Bible and salvation, getting saved, whatever that means, and born again? That kind of sounds like a weird term, you know. But listen, Paul said, "Look, guys, this is not something just springing on the scene." What Paul knew, listen, you remember Paul's journey through Acts? It was always a nightmare. Everywhere he went, somebody was there to put him down, to push him down, to say he was a false prophet, say he was a liar, say don't listen to him. And Paul knew that they were already there going, look, this guy Paul's coming. Don't listen to him. He's he's a radical. He thinks God told him something special. He he's got some new way. You know, they called it, they even called it the way. They didn't call it Christians at first. They called it the way. And he said, and, and Paul says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And he tells them in a letter, listen to me. He knew the false teachers were already there running him down and running God down. And Well, they wasn't running God down, they didn't think. But they really were because they weren't believing in Jesus Christ. They were still kind of wrapped up in the temple and and all their laws and all those things. They seen the Messiah before their face and they decided to reject him. All they could say was crucify him, crucify him. We don't want any part of him. Paul knew this was going on. And Paul said, look, wait a minute. He said, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He said, this isn't something new. This has been promised since Abraham. It's been promised since Moses and David and Joshua. Isaiah talked about it in 53 and 55. He said, don't let them lie to you. Don't let them tell you this is something new that don't have any meaning. This is the very thing you've been praying for. It's the very thing you people have been praying for for years, he said. And it's here. It's been spoke about. It's been prophesied. And it's happened. And you missed the whole thing. You missed it. Because it didn't come in the shape you wanted or in the box you wanted or the way you thought it should happen. We get that way sometimes. Everything needs to be the way I want it. Everything needs to be the way I want it. God said, what does he say again? What did Paul say? I'm a servant. I'm a slave. No longer is it the way I want, but it's what God wants. And listen, God is not some big oppressive person. You know, we, we, get, to kind of, we get to thinking in our mind about a slave and the whips and the chains and, and nothing, no free will or nothing they can decide for theirself. And God's not like that. You know that. Why would we want to turn our whole life over to him because he knows the best for us? He wants to help us. He wants to bring us to eternity with him in heaven forever and ever He wants to bring us to a world that is desperately needing salvation. He wants to bring us through this world where it's tough where there are some days when we say God do you really care? God are you really there? On that second third fourth fifteenth year you've hurt every day God are you really there? when you've lost one two three people in your family god are you really there we've all asked that before but paul is telling us he's there he cares he's doing remarkable things how do i know he cares he sent the only son he had to pay the price for our sins someone that don't care don't do that he just beats you over the head with a stick and tell you how wrong you are do you remember what it said in John three seventeen? He didn't come to the world to tell us how wrong we are. He came to fix the world. He came to set the world right. We were already condemned. We were already guilty. From the time Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit, guilty. Guilty. When Jesus came, he didn't come to say, look at me, how great I am and how bad you are. He said, I've come to put myself on your level to help you. And only I can do it. That's great love. That's great love. That's great care from our Lord. Let's move on down to verse 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we kind of get a look at Paul's concerns. The things that Paul's concerned over. He's going to talk about being thankful for them. He's going to tell them he's praying for them. He's going to tell them that he loves them. He's going to tell them that he's in debt to them. And he's going to tell them how eager he is to see them. Now, remember, he wants to go see them right now. But it's going to be another 10, 12 years before he actually gets to Rome. We'll see that tonight again, just to kind of let you know. But we'll see that tonight. But it's still another 10 or 12 years. He wants to go see them so bad. He knows how important this big city is. There's lots of people there. There's lots of people there that's believing all kind of things. There's lots of people there that don't believe they can't ever have what the Israelites have because they're not the chosen people. And Paul wants them to know that, hey, it's not like that anymore since Jesus came. Verse 8, first, Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Wouldn't you love that to be said about you? I, I would love to hear that said about our church. Not because of any one of us, Not surely not because of me, but not because of who, who we are, but because we're lifting up the name of God. Your faith is being reported all over the world at that time, he said. We, we're hearing about the church that you guys have brought together under Jesus' name. They might have been meeting in the house. They might have been meeting down at the park. They might have been meeting, I don't know where, but they were coming together to share the good news of Jesus. And he said, your faithfulness is being reported everywhere throughout the world. Hmm. verse 9 god whom i serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly i remember you in my prayers at all times i pray that now at last by god's will the way may be open for me to come to you you can see that he cares for him remember again he's never met them he's never set foot in Rome, but he, he now has a bond with them it's kind of like the bond we have in here on Sunday mornings and, and really throughout the week, Sunday night, and not just at church, but when we see each other uptown. I feel like I'm seeing family when I see one of you guys. I feel like you're my family. We, we have a bond now. For all those that give their heart to Jesus, we're bonded in Christ. What do we sing while I go in, Child of King? But I've been adopted. My name's written down. I'm an heir to a mansion, a robe, and a crown. We, we are related now through the blood of Jesus Christ that's a big deal that's a big deal I've, I've noticed that i can go off somewhere and you know like when we went to orlando or whatever or just off on a trip and and you can just kind of feel when you're around somebody that's a believer you, you just feel the connection and you'll get talking or they'll say something or you know they'll say something that you know is kind of churchy or something and you just say yeah, i can feel that before they even say anything i i felt the connection the bond that we have in christ and that's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I long to come and see you. We're related now, he says. We, we have a, a special relationship through Jesus Christ. And guys, let me encourage all of us. We have a special relationship. I, I know we hear all kinds of stories on all kinds of days and all kinds of things about all kind of people. But you know what? The family should never talk about the family. Y'all agree to that? The family should not talk about the family. I know we're all a bunch of knuckleheads sometimes. I know we do things we shouldn't do. But you know what we ought to do is pray for each other. Because next week it'll be my turn to fall and stumble. And I've noticed that lately. I'll get this this thing, you know, I'll get my preacher suit on and I'll go, boy, I'm glad I don't do that. Boy, I'm glad I don't do that. And all of a sudden I'll look in the mirror and God will remind me of something I've done just 10 seconds ago or something I thought and I realize, you know what? You just need to get on your knees and shut up. Because you need Jesus. And you have all the problems that they have, and you have all the sins that they face, and you're tempted all the ways they're tempted. And don't ever think you're better than anybody else. Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It'll settle you down real quick. Because the first thing we think about is how wrong everybody else is. But if you'll just sit there five minutes, I guarantee you God will call something to your mind through the Holy Spirit. He'll convict you about something. You realize, you know what? Sin is sin. All sin is sin. Christ had to die for every one of them. And I need to realize that's, that's my family, and I need to pray for them, and I need to lift them up in prayer. Not only your earthly family that you're kin to by blood, but also the church body, the, the family of Christ. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We sung that since I was a little boy. I love that. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And then he kind, of describes, he kind of explains that. It almost sounds like I've got all these gifts I want to give you, but then he kind of catches himself and he says, What I mean, look at that, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I, I think he realizes that, that, you know what, you're going to end up blessing me as much as I'm going to bless you. And, and I think we need to encourage each other. We've been talking about that last couple weeks in our teen class, about encouraging each other guys, there's enough discouragement in the world. There's enough running down people. There's enough talking about people and the way they look and how they act and all that. God's people are to be the best encouragers in the world. You know what? Because we know what it's like to be lost. We know what it's like to be found. And that's encouraging. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. He said, I I just want to, I want to lift you up. I want to encourage you. And I know you'll be as blessed as much as I am. Over the last six months, I've went and visited Hoss a few times and and i seen this great big man go down skinnier and skinnier and skinnier from this cancer. It just continued to eke away at his earthly body. But what i seen, and I told the people at the funeral the other day, is i seen Hoss' faith grow and grow and grow. As he got smaller, his faith grew bigger. And I'm not sure that I blessed him. I think he blessed me more than I blessed him because he would tell me that he was ready. He would tell me that I know Christ. I know that I'm his. I know and I'm, I'm ready to go. And guys... It's one thing to say that I'm all ready and I'm good and all that about going to heaven when you're feeling perfectly well, but when you're facing it right in the face and you say, man, I can't wait to see Jesus, that's big-time faith right there. That's big-time faith. It changes the whole game. changes the whole game. But let me hurry. Verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you But have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I may have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to the Greeks and non Greeks, both the wise and the foolish. That's his debt. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And then his big statement. This is kind of where we're in today. His big statement. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to who? To everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Or we might have heard it, the just shall live by faith. That turned Martin Luther's life around. That turned some major people through history's life around when they realized it wasn't about keeping a whole bunch of laws, it was about putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I heard this this quote this week, and it just got my attention. Listen to this. God doesn't ask us to behave. He asks us to believe. And, And I think when I read Romans, that's what really got my attention. Let me read it one more time. God doesn't ask us to behave. He asks us to believe. What's the first thing you hear from people when you ask them if if they want to know Christ? Well, as soon as I get my life straightened up, as soon as I can quit doing some of the bad things that I do. And see, that's not about believing. That's about behaving. And a lot of people continue on from that. They, they, they kind of dictate their salvation on how they act, how they behave. Now, I understand that we want to behave. I understand that through grace, Paul said, don't take advantage of grace and just stamp on it and say, well, now I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. Heaven forbid, he said, we'd act like that. But what he's saying is when we believe in Christ and we believe what he's done, it's going to take care of our behavior because we love him so much. We're not going to want to do those things. But the whole book of Romans is going to clear all this behavior thing up. People think, if I act this way, I'm going to heaven. Or if I don't do this, I'm going to heaven. Or if I do do that, I'm not going to heaven. And what did he say? He said to believe. And then he says, the just shall live by faith. Let me ask you this. Do you have a secure belief in Jesus? That's faith. That's that's in the dictionary. i seen that this morning, and I thought, man, that's a great. You know, we've had all these different definitions of faith. You know, it's something, you know, we hope for but not yet seen, and that's a great definition. But do you have a secure belief in Jesus Christ? Is it something that nobody can talk you out of, that nobody can shake from you? Because, see, this is a faith thing. The just shall live by faith. Faith I haven't seen it yet. I haven't touched jesus with my own hands I've read about him. I felt the holy spirit convict me to salvation I believe in him, but but here's the key. Here's the key to salvation. You have a secure belief in jesus christ Throw out all that other stuff membership baptism all those things they come after and and they're all great And it's great to be a member of a church. It's great to take the Lord's Supper and all those things. But those are results of, not because of, faith. A secure belief that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. That's what will save you. That's what saves you. It's nothing else but belief in Jesus Christ. For all those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved period Nothing else added nothing else taken away How do you get saved well brother todd you live a good life Well brother todd you do enough good stuff for good people you you give to charity Guys all of that is because you are saved not to get you saved It's a secure belief in jesus christ And when I say secure It's as secure as when you lock up your house and you lock up your stuff and you lock up what you have and you secure it that way, or if you've got your newborn baby and you've got your arms around it and you're not going to drop it, you're, you've got it secure, you're not going to let anything hurt it if you can at all. And guys, this security through Jesus is even greater because he's doing the keeping. See, what's great is I'm not holding on to Jesus' hand because I am weak and I am sinful, and I will let go sometimes and go looking. He's got his arm and his hand on me. He holds me. I do not hold him, and he will never, ever let me go if I am truly his, if I truly have a secure belief in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful this morning? You talk about assurance, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It comes by faith. It comes by something I hadn't seen, hadn't laid my eyes on it yet, and it seems very elementary it seems very kind of it kind of seems like fairy tale how could you believe in something you hadn't seen but that's what he asked us to do i want you to believe in me by faith that i am exactly who i say i am and that i will take care of you and i will be there for you and i will never ever let you go that is the god we serve and that's where we can say and lay our head on the pillow at night and say if i don't wake up in the morning I'm going to be with him because he is exactly who he said he is. And even though we change, even though our thoughts change, even though I'm hot one day and cold the next, even though I'm not faithful one day and I'm faithful the next, God never, ever changes. And I'm glad to know that. Let's pray. Dear Father, help us to understand as we walk through Romans, Lord, that this is about you. And Lord, when we give our heart to you and we give our life to you and we believe that securely You're going to teach us how to live how to walk how to talk How to behave Lord help us not put our salvation on the the mantle of behavior But on the mantle of belief Belief in you That you are exactly who you said you are Lord help us to realize we've been set apart for a purpose Help us to realize how much you love us. And Lord, as we look at scriptures next Sunday, help us to realize how lost we were before you found us. Lord, just speak to hearts this morning. Lord, I know you've got many things to say to us. And so, Lord, for the next five minutes, it's all you speaking to us in the quiet. Lord, speak to us and help us pray to you. And leave here ready to go. In your name we pray.